Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. You're listening to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. Tune in every week to hear honest conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness, and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. I want to provide you with the tools, guidance, motivation to help you navigate through your own recovery and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. This week, I talk with holistic life and recovery coach, Haley. We compare and discuss the differences and similarities between life coaches and sponsors and life coaches and therapists. We also discuss what they actually are. If you think you know, you may be surprised. Haley also walks us through her experience in recovery. She even talks about an experience of going to a treatment center ran by Scientology. So let's get into it. Hey, Haley, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, awesome. This has been a long time coming, right? Yeah, I mean, for sure, uh, how long have we been going back and forth for like a couple of months now between our schedules? It feels like it. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. We're way overdue. And I'm so excited to talk to you about our topic today. I kind of wanted to structure the podcast a little bit different for this episode. We want to know your story and recovery, but we, we have a topic of choice today. And yes. that is life coaching. What the hell is it? <laughs> Great. <laughs> totally. I'm excited to talk to you about that. Yeah. So if you wouldn't mind just jumping right into it and letting us know your recovery story and your journey. Absolutely. You know, and sometimes it's hard for me to even know where to start, but I will just start from the beginning because I think that's a good spot. Um, okay. I have been in recovery um, personally for the last five years. I started using when I was uh, about 12 and that started um, just really with like cigarettes and marijuana and alcohol, but it spun really out of control. I was uh, living in a house at the time with my sister, my mom, my mom's partner, um, who Mm -hmm. was a woman and her two daughters. So it was a house of six girls and, um, 
you know, the four of us younger girls were all around the same age. We were all teenagers, like 12, 14, 16. Mm -hmm. And um, by the time I was 14, I had developed like a crazy cocaine addiction and was like um, my freshman year of high school. I spent most of it like um, not in school, just like using, um, hanging out with, you know, friends, ditching class. I almost went to truancy court. Um, and so my first experience in treatment was when I was 14 and I went to an inpatient center for um, about 45 days. And then after that, you know, I kind of tried to transition back into high school um, and I moved mm-hmm. around a lot. Um, I went to three different high schools um, and finally graduated from one. And during that time, um, I never really engaged in like um, the heavy drug use, but I was certainly smoking a lot of weed and drinking and, um, you know, partying. Um, and I was definitely not living my potential. I was not doing what I, in what I could, I was just like checking out, um, as a result of probably like some childhood traumas and stuff that we now know causes like addiction and codependency. But anyways, so I was checking out, um, I got involved with an ex-boyfriend when I was about 19, who I found out after we had started dating again for about a week. Um, and he moved in. We had, it was really crazy. Um, I found out that he was using heroin and after about two months of like desperately trying to get him to quit using, um, and trying to get him to go to meetings and like whatever, just trying to do the savior thing that doesn't work ever. Um, right. I just succumbed to, I just succumbed to it. Um, and I started using as well, which, really escalated really fast because I had those addictive qualities and it was heroin. It got real really quick. Um, and I think it was like, um, maybe like nine months after I had started using that we were like, um, homeless. I had lost my job. My, I crashed my car. I didn't have, you know, I got, we had been kicked out of various places, evicted, couldn't stay with my parents. Um, and so we were sleeping on the streets of Denver in the dead of winter, you know, just kind of staying where oh we could gosh. and using. Um, and I did that for about six months. <clears throat> and during wow. that time, um, February, and I can't even remember the dates anymore. I think it was February of maybe 2011. Um, okay. I was raped by my drug dealer. Um, I ended up like running through a blizzard in the snow. Whole nother story that I could go into, but the oh my gosh. point there being that um, I had a really close friend come save me in the middle of the night and that led to her telling my family, which I was really mad about at the time, but it kind of um, initiated this process of like, things are getting real, like you're homeless and you just got raped. Like we need to like go to treatment. Um, yeah. And so that, and so it was shortly after that, that I had, um, you know, one of those really tough conversations. Um, my family begged me to go to treatment. Um, me and my partner split up. He went to a treatment center in Nevada. I went to one in Fort Collins. Um, and that just started my treatment uh, journey, which was very long and filled with relapse. Um, I went to tr- yeah. a 90-day treatment center called Narconon, which is actually funny story, um, kind of tied to the Church of Scientology. I didn't know that until I got there. No way. Um, yeah. But, you know, and as crazy as it was, and I fought that like tooth and nail, I used that at every turn. It's yeah. 
part of part of what I've learned in just going to many different treatments is that it's all pretty much the same stuff. Like the Scientology stuff is really not that different than the AA stuff or the CBT stuff. Like they're all the same ideas and principles. They're just worded differently. Granted, the Scientology. Yeah, granted, the Scientology did have a certain flair and um, it was (laughs) a journey. Um, And they did some. What was different about the Scientology one? There's not a lot of differences, honestly. Like I said, there's like a lot of the same guiding principles. Like we did a lot of the same stuff that you would have done in your 12 steps or like whatever. But one of the really cool things that they did to like just kind of put them on a pedestal is we did this sauna program, um, which was Mm. we spent um, after like the initial withdrawal and book one, which was like about communication we did this sauna program, which is um, essentially you sit in a sauna for 21 days, give or take, depending on like every every person, um, for about four or five hours a day and took, you know, a bunch of supplements, ate a bunch of raw vegetables, uh, took some like oils and lecithins. And the idea was like to essentially just sweat out all of the toxins. And they had a belief that, and like, I'm going to give this disclaimer that I'm not sure if this is scientific typically accurate you know this is what the church of scientology claims um that cravings like drug cravings are caused by like drug residuals being stuck in your body um and in your fat cells and so there you know this sauna program is essentially just like a rapid detox we also took niacin which is like a really like detoxifying flushing uh supplement um you know it's all vitamins and sweat it out and i mean I can't tell you how good I felt after that. I mean, you you don't do much the rest of the day. You're just like sitting yeah. in the sauna, drinking lots of water, like focusing on your body. You know, we did some exercise. Like it was really um, healing on that body level. And I think that that might be something that's missing from uh, traditional treatment centers, especially like 30 day treatment centers. It's like your body can't even like get all of the stuff out of your system in 30 days, you know, let alone right. like try and like, create this new life and new like thinking patterns and stuff. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, yeah, so like, that's one of the things, um, there are some funky things for sure that if you just like looked in, um, you would be like, what is going on? This is crazy. Um, but we like, we'll, we'll, we'll save that. That could, that could be an hour and a half topic, um, of the whole church of the Narconon. Um, and you know, just to, it's pretty crazy, but just to like, I'm not a Scientologist at all. Like it didn't convert okay. me into Scientology. I didn't know until I got Wait, there. Wait, so you can go um, there without being a Scientologist? Yeah, you don't know. You know, we just got, you know, and it was like a little sketchy to be honest. You know, my mom just like really needed to put me into treatment somewhere and they talked to these people who made it, you know, um, highlighted the you know, how, um, fatal my addiction had gotten, you know, because I was using heroin, um, and really instilled that fear in her. So to the point where she felt like kind of obligated to send me there or else like I might die, you know, it kind of felt like the only option. Um, and they do, they're kind of notorious for playing on that fear. Um, but yeah, they don't advertise as a Scientologist, you know, you just go there and then all of a sudden you pick up on like weird little things and, um, you know, 
it's, and then L. Ron Hubbard is like on the book names and stuff. And then you kind of figure it out, you know, they're not really yeah. upfront about it, which if honestly, if they were, if they were just like, yeah, this stuff is like based on Scientology, but we're not Scientologists. Like they probably would have a little bit better of a time getting people in there because the people who, and so what's interesting about that center and kind of plays into my recovery story, you know, just to kind of continue is that they, um, Everybody who works there is just somebody who's been through the program and who is in recovery. So just kind of highlighting that um, peer component of somebody going through a treatment program. And so none of the people, I mean, most of the people, there was a couple of people at the Colorado Center, but they weren't Scientologists. They were just like people who in recovery who um, wanted to stay on and like help people get clean and get clean time. Um, <clears throat> which was really cool and really like impactful and created this community um, and so the, it's like funny that the centers themselves are like not, um, Scientologists by any means, but like the big umbrella corporation that they're under and like the things that they do are associated with the church is kind of funny, but yeah. Right. And so I, so I went to one in Fort Collins, um, for about, you know, 90 days. Um, I ended up going back they offer one of the cool things that they offer is they offer a guarantee. So if you relapse within the first six months, you can go back and get a review of the material, um, which is pretty much everything except for the sauna program. You just kind of get to go over it again and see what you didn't learn right the first time. Um, right. And so I, I did that um, in September of 2011, the following year. Um, and that's when my addiction honestly got a lot worse. I got like hooked up to some people who, um, were in treatment, but weren't really interested in recovery. And so we all kind of got released at the same time, um, and went to this, so, you know, the sober living house together. Um, but they were, you know, and that was when I got introduced to using IV. So I had already been like smoking it, um, and snorting it and like taking pills at that point, but I had never shot up and just being around these people that were like, yeah, like that's the way to do it. You know, if you're going to use heroin, like, I don't know why you're smoking it. Um, and so that kind of pressure kind of led me into that. So I was, you know, um, I ended up shooting, starting to shoot up heroin, um, was at the sober living house on and off, like getting kicked out, coming back, uh, for about three or four months there but I really hit my bottom, quote unquote, you know, um, when I got kicked out of there for the last time and my boyfriend at the time had overdosed in his room, which is why we had got kicked out was I like was supposed to take him to work. And I found him uh, his back, like back against the bed, like overdose blue. I had to like call the paramedics, obviously like outing the fact that we had been using in the sober living house. Um, oh, and I remember I was in the hospital parking lot and I still had a shot of heroin left over from the night before when we had used together and he had overdosed and like my addiction had spun out of control so far that I didn't know any other way to cope with that situation other than sh literally shooting up in the parking lot hospital, you know, um, while my boyfriend was like that, you know, almost, almost he was like paralyzed, you know, after that. Um, from the waist down for like, you know, a couple of weeks, almost a month. And so, um, after that, I was just homeless. I didn't tell any, I hadn't, I was homeless again, living out of my car, but I didn't tell like my parents or anybody that I had gotten kicked out 
although I knew that they knew I wasn't doing well. Um, and I was using with a friend. I ended up getting this, um, driving under the influence of drugs charge. It was kind of bogus, but I like had a bunch of needles and drugs on me. Um, and it was for heroin, you know, they gave me a DUI for heroin. Um, and at that point my life and literally the next day my car got stolen. So I was like pretty much at my end and I didn't have any other options. I honestly didn't necessarily want to get clean. I wasn't really interested in, um, stopping, but I just didn't have anywhere else to go. Like my box had become so small and Narconon, the treatment center in Nevada, they have several, there's like several in California. There's one in Nevada um, one in Colorado, but the one in Nevada was said that, you know, they acknowledged that I had like a rough review program and that I could come back for free. I just had to like pay to get out there. Um, and so I didn't have anywhere else to go. And so I just, I just went because that was it that I, it was either that or like continue to be homeless. And, um, like I would add, like my veins were all collapsed. Like, I had overdosed several times, you know, um, I was very sick, you know, you just get very sick when you're using like that, going from like being in severe withdrawal to like getting better and like being on the cold, all that stuff. So I just went, um, flew to Nevada to this place called Caliente, Nevada, which is about two hours south of Vegas, like right by the Utah border. Very, very, very small, like less than a thousand people, um, town in, you know, next to Utah. It was crazy. Um, but they had treatment center out there and that's where I just kind of like, you know, um, I guess I surrendered in a sense to the idea that like, I didn't have to be ready, you know, that I could just like live day by day, like really understanding that concept and not trying to like, um, be sober forever. I was just like, you know, I'm just here and I can't use. So like, whatever, you know, and I'm just going to be honest with my feelings. Like I, I still want to use, like if I went home, I would still use, um, did my program, got to do a sauna program again, just like took my time and, um, really started to help other people because I had been through the program so many times. I had like, I knew the material and could like kind of help people through it. Um, and then that, um, opportunity to stay on as staff just kind of seemed like a natural fit. I was like, had all this, um, court stuff looming over my head. So if I went back home, it was going to be like, you know, pretty strict, like probation and stuff anyways. And I like, didn't want to do that. Um, and so the courts offered me, you know, that I could stay out there and be intern and staff, um, and, you know, just have unsupervised probation. And I did that. And that was really powerful, you know, and that really changed my recovery was this idea of being in service to other people and like being a source of hope Um, because I had fought those programs, you know, so hard and I had, you know, been through so much. Like I was like the worst student ever in those places, you know, I was just like causing trouble and running amok. And so like I totally understood that and was able to kind of help other people through it. Um, And that really changed my perspective, like I was able to kind of maintain that sobriety, um, because I was a place of hope for other people and I was helping other people and it made me feel good and gave me like a sense of purpose and alleviated a lot of the guilt for a lot of the really terrible things that I did when I was using. Um, and so I stayed there. And then after a couple of years, I um, moved back home to Colorado with 
my now partner. Um, he was the chef out there and we met and oh, no way. Uh, fell in love. Yeah. And he's in recovery. He went through the program and then just started working as a chef out there. Um, and now we live, we moved out to Colorado and I worked for, um, treatment center, a detox up here for several years. I've been working towards getting my, um, certified addiction counselor stuff for Colorado. And, um, yeah. And then just in the last couple of years, I got my uh, life coach certification and I've started my business and yeah. And I have a little baby boy with a uh, forest now and we Aww. just do that. And so I had, I celebrated five years clean, um, in February of this last year. Wow, and so that was really powerful. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That is a lot of work to go through. Good for you. Yeah, a lot of relapses. <laughs> but hey, well, it was, at least yeah. you go. You got to a good ending. Yeah, yeah, we're happy now. So let's talk about your life coaching business. Yeah, for sure. So I have a business here. I'm in Denver, Colorado. I coach with people independently, you know, like one-on-one -on -one life coaching sessions, as well as I do some, they're called freedom recovery groups which are like, um, I'm a holistic integrative life coach, which is like my certain kind of flavor. You know, there's a million different flavors of life coaches okay. and even recovery coaches. And, um, I guess that's my flavor. Um, so what and does that mean? yeah, I'd love to share. So holistic, when I say holistic, I mean, mind, body and spirit. Um, I mean okay. that I feel like those three things really need to be integrated. They need to be focused on they need to be connected um we have to be like working on healing all three of those components or it's not or like any breakthrough or any like sort of personal development work we do is not really gonna stick you know um because Absolutely. we have to be well in all of those areas and so the integrative piece is all is obviously integrating those three things but also this idea that like um i like to like integrate you know i do like integrative activities within my groups which means that we're like practicing the things so that we can integrate it into our life like really making sure that the things that we're talking about and coaching aren't just staying like these nebulous ideas that like stay in coaching world or like in our sessions like we're really applying them to your life and like making sure that you know how to do what we're talking about and like doing it in the real world you know um yeah. and so that's the that's the those are the two pieces um, and that's just, um, you know, the life coaching program that I went through is called legacy. Um, and they're just holistic integrative life coaches. And so I've just kind of applied that to, um, the world of recovery in my story. That's so cool. I definitely agree about the whole holistic approach. And I, I love how you talked about and really stressed the whole sauna part about your recovery. Because it's so true, like getting your physical body clean and clear is so important to recovery. Um, I don't know if you've heard the, the last episode I just did for the podcast. Uh, we were talking about supplements and brain health. And mm -hmm. it's so, so important to address the physical aspects of your body and the physical aspects of recovery. Because I feel like everyone just focuses just on the mind. Right. And yeah, it's so true. Make us a whole human being. 
I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally, and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com A-S-G-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G. Exactly. That's like kind of the holistic part, I guess. But yeah, I listened to that podcast and it was great. I was really excited about that. Um, like, um, taking supplements specifically 5-HTP has been like paramount in my recovery from like feeling, um, from sort of the depression and anxiety that comes with those. And that's, um, that's something that we talk about in my groups. I do a nutrition group, um, with my partner, Forrest, who, um, knows a lot about nutrition and is very passionate about it. You know, he does a little cooking demo, but we, but that's something that we talk about is the idea that like you need to be like eating foods or like taking supplements, you know, that create like these neurotransmitters and kind of help balance you out because we do develop a ton of deficiencies through like the years of abuse to our bodies, you know? And so I was Absolutely. really excited to see that on your podcast. Um, and I would like, I might try them out. They're, they're pretty cool looking. They got a good oh stuff in them. I'm like over the moon about dopamine. I'm obsessed. I've only taken it for four days and I feel so much better. It's amazing how just one little component can literally change your life. Like I was so lethargic and so tired. And the other day I almost did two yoga classes in one day. Like, wow. who am I? <laughs> Get yeah. out of here. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Dopamine is a, and dopamine is a sneaky one too. You don't necessarily mm -hmm. know that you're deficient in it. You just feel like kind of like off or whatever. And so that's really cool. Um, yeah. And so the body, mind and spirit. And so I have those groups. We do that. Um, and I see people, you know, independently sometimes. And that's just kind of where we're at. We're getting up, um, ready. I took a break. We did two cycles this year. Um, they're 13 weeks. 
groups. Um, mm -hmm. and I took a little break. So I'm just kind of revving up and getting, um, some stuff together to make it really cool for January. So we're going to start again in the new year. Oh, awesome. So I just kind of want to talk about our backstory and how we kind of got connected. Um, I know we got connected through Facebook and we mutually, you know, obviously have the life coaching aspect in common. But we were also discussing the differences between life coaching. When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria LG Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. And um, having a sponsor and a life coach and a therapist. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think the difference between a life coach is and a sponsor? Yeah, so I mean, for one thing, the sponsorship, um, in 12 is, is very unique to the 12 steps, you know, that's the only place that I've ever seen that, um, like term and like very specific kind of guidelines for how to behave. And I think that those guidelines, what does that even look like? What does that even mean to be a sponsor? You know, it can be so right. ambiguous depending on the meeting or the fellowship that you go to, but at, Essentially, my understanding and my experience of having a sponsor is having somebody to work the 12 steps with you based on their experience and to also have that support when you need to reach out in times of like crisis, right? Fair. Right. And so yeah. I think that that, um, that essentially, you know, is the difference just in that number one, I don't deal with the 12 steps. I mean, it's not like you can't see me and go to meetings and be involved in the 12 steps. It's just that I'm not like going to help you work out the 12 steps. Um, right. cause that's not inherently involved in like coaching, you know, and I don't feel like that's my place. Um, mm -hmm. as, and, and just my personal beliefs about 12 step programs, but I could talk about that for like a year. Um, <laughs> and then the other piece, <laughs> the other piece is like the, you're reaching out to a sponsor when you're in crisis, you know, you're calling them right. like, Hey, I'm feeling like use this using, can you come over? And like, that's not my job either. Like, I don't want my clients, like it's okay if they reach out in crisis, but like, I would really rather us be doing like 
weekly work and weekly meetings to like establish a practice that they're out so that they don't need to call me in crisis. Like we've already like established a plan for like when those situations come up, what they're going to do. And so yes. it's more about like, um, like so less about the crisis and then and like more yeah. because you are a professional. Right. A sponsor is not a professional. Exactly. And I do have that like peer experience, like that peer relatability component, um, right. that a sponsor does have. But like, uh, I, you're the, um, professional piece is like, I'm here to do like deep personal development with you around your recovery. I'm not here to, um, just like, like cheer you on essentially. And like, I think that there is a great place for sponsorship. I think that a lot of people get like, some benefit out of 12 steps and like, you know, really like turn their lives around by having a good sponsor. And like, I'm all for that, you know, but that's just not what I do, you know? Right. And so I think that's a big difference, um, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also like the fact that going to someone professional who is, is trained in coaching automatically has that like unbiased and non-judgmental feel to them do you know what i mean i feel like any normal person is going you're going to have an opinion whether you like it or not but a a coach is trained to look at just the subject and and the task at hand not to to get involved emotionally maybe and let those judgments kind of seep in and then askew their their uh, recommendations or perceptions right yeah i mean and sponsors almost act like you know they become friends and like off you know and there's and like you know there's a place for that you know for their opinions and for their perspectives you know and like you said like that's not what a professional does it's like we're almost in between like a sponsor and a therapist you know like we are more like a therapist than we are a sponsor, but we're not a therapist either, you know? And it's, so it's hard to conceptualize for people, but yeah, it's that piece of like, um, that I've been trained to, you know, kind of help you weed through these thoughts instead of, um, I'm just going to like give you my opinion from my own personal experience, which like does have a place and does have a place in my sessions at times, but, um, is not wholly what I do and is like kind of more reserved for somebody like a sponsor, you know, or like a recovery companion or whatever, you know, term that is. Or your mom. (laughs) Yeah. Or your mom. Or your mom. Yes. Your mom. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with that. Okay. So second part of it, uh, you brought up therapist. What would be the difference between a life coach and a therapist? Yes. So for me, um, what I tell my clients is that the life coach is a collaborative role as opposed to an evaluative. Um, I've been in the position of being like, uh, just being a counselor and mm-hmm. having those sort of ethical boundaries when I was working in like detoxes and treatment centers. And so there are some very distinct differences. And like the best way for me to describe them are the things that like really held me back when I was trying to counsel people and trying to help people get clean from a, like just an addiction counselor's perspective was like, I wasn't able to share my story. You know, I was, you know, told explicitly to not say that I was in recovery, you know, um, because that created a certain dynamic. 
you know, you're supposed to keep that sort of information to yourself. Um, also just to avoid that countertransference, you know, uh, but, um, and then the other piece, you know, was you're just there kind of like reflecting things back to them. You're not, um, creating something together. Your place as a counselor or a therapist is more to evaluate what they're, what they're saying and thinking kind of like, you know, help, um, lead them to, you know, their own sort of thoughts and conclusions. Whereas like, I'm like a, as a coach, I'm able to like sit with you and like collaborate and like share, you know, share those pieces about me that I think, um, are relevant, you know, and kind of create something that is, um, that is more, I think is more powerful, you know, I think it's more powerful to be able to share my experience and create with you and be able to give you input and not just like hold it back because of ethical boundaries. And I felt so restrained as a counselor from, um, just certain ethical parameters and like, you know, the sort of, um, just ways that you're supposed to listen and behave and interact with people. It just, um, I felt like I wasn't able to help as much. And so like entering into this coaching world has really been liberating and that I can share my story with other people. And when they say something that I can resonate with, you know, I can resonate with them and then give them, um, you know, like, well, this is what helped me in like that specific situation, you know, and like, I totally get where you're coming from as opposed to just like reflecting back to them, you know? And I think that that's right. really important in this personal development role, you know, as the world is changing, you know, we are looking, I saw a statistic somewhere. I can't tell you where just giving that disclaimer, but it's like, we have been um, engaging in psychiatry and mental health for, you know, over a hundred years now. And like the statistics right. are not getting better. They're getting worse. And the, and like, so, like, Yikes. I'm okay with changing the paradigm of, like, the way that we've been looking at mental health and the way we've been, like, delivering it. And I think that there's a yeah. really significant place for developing that rapport, right? Like, it's so yeah. easy to develop rapport by just saying, like, hey, I actually do know what it feels like to come off of heroin. Like, you know, like, right. for real, I know that that's, that's hard. Like, that rapport is easier to get and it's stronger, you know, than, like, the months of like rapport building that goes on in like a counseling or therapy session, you know? And right. so like, I am um just curious to see where the, you know, where this coaching world goes and if there is like some, some regulations getting put in place or if like some, um you know, defining guidelines, you know, I, I think that it's right. just kind of coming about and there's a lot that it can do for this, uh for the mental health community. If we just kind of open up to it and get rid of, you know, whatever there's like a stigma there. I guess there's a stigma because the word coaching can be so, um, ambiguous and it can be so vague, you know, um, so many things can fit into the term coach. And so it's, isn't, it's not taken as seriously as it could be, you know? Definitely. I mean, like I said before, everyone who was a DJ is now like re relabeling themselves as a coach. You know, everyone's doing it, but they don't really know what they're actually doing. What does it mean to be a DJ? People think that people who DJ are literally creating music on the fly. And that's so not the case. It's just, it's really interesting to define these terms. So we really right. know what they mean. And it's, I really appreciate the word clearance. Um, yeah. And it's so true. I find life coaching to be way more connecting with your client, being able to share experiences 
and then do something about it. It's the forward motion and the forward thinking that really separated therapy and actually a sponsorship from life coaching. It was the action. There's so Mm. much theory out there. Right. Yeah, the being able to like take steps and do stuff is is so cool. I mean, that's one of my favorite um, parts is like, coming up with plans like okay this is what we're gonna do and like we're gonna check in and you're gonna do this and this and this and like you know creating um you know kind of what my practice is about is this idea that like recovery doesn't have to look like going to rehab and then sitting in meetings for the rest of your life or it doesn't mean like you know um you have to like have this huge like spiritual breakthrough and like you know do all these like your recovery can literally look like whatever you want it to look like. And it's just as long as we're taking care of like your mind, body and spirit. So um, as long as we're doing that, you know, is like the the core component for sure. That's so cool. Yes. I love it. Love everything about it. Where can people find you? I have two Facebook pages, which is hard to keep up with, but there's one for freedom recovery groups. If you are in Denver um, if you're local, um, and then I do have Haley Matthews LLC as a Facebook page. Um, okay. or if you want to just go to my website, it's Haley Matthews, which is spelled H-A-Y-L-E-Y-M-A-T-H-E-W-S.com. Um, yeah, I know those are tricky names to spell. They could be spelled a million ways. The group, uh, coaching that is in real life or is that online as well? It's most of what I do is in real life. I do have some right. clients in that I do life. like phone sessions with. Yeah, in real life, not in the what interwebs. A subject. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, so I'm pre- I'm fairly local in Denver um, as mm-hmm. far as the groups go. I would love to open it up online if I could find some time to like develop that. I don't even know right. where to start, but it's a possibility. There's lots of possibility for 2019. Um, but yeah, and I do, but I do some phone sessions and online sessions and I have a blog, um, and all that stuff. So feel free to reach out. That's great. One last question to someone listening to this podcast, what words of advice would you give them? They are thinking about getting sober. They are sober. What advice would you give to someone listening to this podcast? That's a good question. Um, you know, kind of the, one of the bigger things that I kind of focus on with my clients is, is that idea that, um, to be optimistic that recovery can look like whatever you want it to look like. You know, if you're feeling like stuck and icky about like going to meetings and like groups or therapy, like whatever it looks like, know that like your recovery could look like going to the beach every day if that's what you need, you know? Um, And so just staying optimistic towards the idea that like you really can create a recovery that feels good and you will, you know, Um, there's a, there's ton of opportunities out there. Um, And so that would that would be my advice, you know. Don't settle for a recovery that feels uh, mediocre. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think AA and rehab are just the, the common answers to someone who is suffering with addiction or, you know, suffering through their recovery. But I love your perspective and thank you for educating us and showing us that there are different options out there. It all doesn't have to fit the same or feel the same for everyone. Yeah, of course. That's part of the journey. 
Yeah, man. Do you. Well, thank Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes, thank you for sharing. And I love your your perspective on life coaching. It's great. How sweet and lovely is Haley. Thank you so much again for your knowledge and education and sharing your recovery experience with us. If you or someone you know is looking for a life coach and recovery coach, you're in luck. I would love to help you. Head to a sobergirlsguide.com and book a free consultation call today. Coming in January 2019, yes, it's 2019 already, I will also be starting group coaching. To apply, head to the website and submit your application. Spaces are filling up quick, so make sure to head over today. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. Couldn't do without you. Make sure to comment, rate, and subscribe. Always love hearing your feedback. Stay up to date with us on social media at A Sober Girls Guide and check out the website for more information, www.asobergirlsguide.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.